Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, good evening, Rush Nation. We are here for the flagship show to look back at week six of the NFL in the bag. Uh, my name is Dan Hughes. I'm here now to guide you through this review, uh, and I am joined by the ever-present Five Yard Hero himself, Murph. Good evening, Murph. How are you? Hey, good evening, mate. It's good to good to have you here, and uh, welcome to the flagship show. We talked about it last week that you would be here, and it's an absolute honour and a privilege, privilege even if I get my words out, uh, to to have you here. How uh, how excited are you to be here? I'm extremely excited. So ever since it was announced last week, I've had um, I've been welcoming to the Five Yard family, and it really is a family that's that's really obvious to see from the outset. Um, and I've had a, a lot of messages from listeners of the show and followers of yourself uh, wishing me good luck, which is really heartwarming. And um, I hope they're listening now and hopefully we can do this role some justice. So um, anybody that is watching, they also know where to find us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any good podcast app, YouTube, and obviously at Five Yard Rush on all the socials. 
yeah and like i say it's so great to have you we've been friends for a while now and it's uh it, it's good to have you here and uh don't feel like i'm i'm alone don't worry stocks will be back at, at some point probably be after the season he's still uh working on the college side there but let's get to know you a little bit i obviously know you quite well but i'd be good to for everyone to uh to know you uh, a little bit better so give yourself give a proper intro a little bit about who dan hughes is and uh who you follow how you got in the fantasy how you got into the nfl just talk about you for a minute or two and, and give everyone a bit of an introduction into the great guy that you are so yeah i'm dan hughes um i've been following the nfl now for probably about 12 to 15 years uh, i've been a tampa fan for probably about eight of that i first get into it when coming home from pubs late putting a telly on the old channel five coverage uh, nothing else was on the telly at the time. I was really lucky, really, to fall into Tampa. I was very close to becoming a, a Detroit Lions fan, Calvin Johnson at the time, and Beverly Hills Cops, and all of that that goes along with it. And <laughs> it was leaning that way. But um, yeah, as probably most Tampa fans do, I holiday out to Florida at the time, trip down there just to take in the game that I'd been following for a while. Uh, and you, you can fall in love with that place in a heartbeat. Um, and yeah, we make almost a an annual trip back now, which is, well, when COVID allows, is something I look forward to every single year. In terms of fantasy, I guess I've been playing about five years now, mainly with close friends and, and family contacts and that that I know play. Um, that really opened up last year, I guess as it did for a lot of people, COVID, lockdown, everyone needed a new hobby and, and fantasy just kind of exploded a little bit more into it. So it's something I've always followed, something I've always done. Um, and I'm really excited to, to actually really try and hone it a little bit further. So. Yeah, and, and listen, you've been a great part of the community the last couple of years supporting us. And, uh, you know, you, you've earned your invites into Scott Fishbowl and, you know. Yes. So you, it's, I'm 0-6. You know, yeah. Listen. I didn't even say I was good at it, did I? <laughs> <laughs> but listen, it, 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 it's a tough it's a tough league. You know, you're playing against the best in the world. It's it's. I never think it's it's. I never think it's a bad thing if you go 0-6 in a league like that because it's so different. It's so out there, the scoring and formats and everything. Same with all these charity events. At the end of the day, the leagues you play in, you're going to have some that you're 0-6 and, and you're going to have some that you're 6-0. and It's just um, it's just about the the way that you play the game and you get enjoyment out of it. You, you've got some tough people in your division as well. So, you know, it's, I have. I think I'm shame. the fourth or fifth highest scorer, even sat at 0-6. So I've walked into some horrendous matchups, which... Which happens in fantasy. It is, you know, when you play the team you're playing rather than, you know, how the team's constructed and who's about. So, yeah, I've really bad luck on that one. <clears throat> but having said that, you're still in the playoff running because the highest High point scorers, score, top, or highest point four, scorers yeah. who haven't qualified still get in. Like Stocks and I, in our first season, the Scott Fishbowl finished six and six, but we were the top point scorers in our division. Not just those that didn't qualify, we were the top point scorers in our division by 300 points to the person in second and we were 550 points to the person in fourth yet we were six and six and we had that terrible rudder of people had monster weeks against us but we were consistently good every week <laughs> and it was just weird and we yeah we got a buy like six and six get a buy and so you know you could be in that shout close that gap a little bit and you might get in there but i've listened to a lot of scott's shows and talks when he does it and he's a big believer in points and that actually rewarding good teams that the fixtures and the the matchups that you have sometimes are a chance in fantasy yeah um so i know he does believe in rewarding good teams i.e points for scored so no i've scott fishbowl kind of forgetting about moving on to ffcc still going had a good week again this week so 
yeah that's it you're crushing it you know i mean most of <laughs> most of us have been out of that or been knocked out of it but you're you're representing the five-year family strong and you had a good showing last year if i remember rightly or was it the year before i got to this round last year so uh yeah it looks like i'm likely to progress from this round so uh yeah fingers crossed it's the it's the one league i'm gonna do nothing about i draft it forget <laughs> about it i'm doing really well <laughs> well there you go you drafted well, my friend, and you, you're riding the wave. That's what it all matters. But it's good to have you here, and, and people get to know you over the coming weeks. And, yeah, I've seen some of the messages that people dropped. It's, it's amazing to see that, you know, you're so well – I mean, I knew anyway that you're so well respected, and it's good to have you here. We're going to have a lot of fun over the next uh, 10 to 14 weeks or however long this this goes on until someone switches the lights off and kicks us out. <laughs> It'd be the wife who yeah. us sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Repo bus comes along. Right, yeah, see you later. That's it. That's um, it. Anyway, we've got to pay some bills, so I'm going to hand this over to you. I'm not, I'm we not have. Start. So, what we're going to cover this week, we're going to get through our reaction to week six, things that surprised us, uh, what we've learned. We're going to have a look at bounce-back players for week seven. So, those guys that have underperformed, perhaps, in week six or previous, that that maybe we're looking at that you can you can roster fairly confidently. Um, I know Murph's come up with some stash plays as well, players that are pretty deep in rosters that could have an influence. You know, if you're sitting on that bubble, if you are tired now at three and three, two and four perhaps that might make a difference to your lineups that that can give that little playoff push um but just before we get into it do you like playing with balls and no i'm not talking about footballs i mean your balls uh, our friends over at manscape the global leaders in below the waist grooming want you to shave your pubes with the tom brady of ball trimmers the new lawnmower 4.0 only the goat technology for the greatest balls of all time when you're going towards the end zone make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose manscaped Two million men worldwide trust them, so join the movement with our exclusive offer by using the five-yard code at manscaped.com and you'll receive 20% off and free shipping. Fantastic offer from the guys there at Manscaped. So, reactions to week six. Murph, what surprised you? What caught your eye? Uh, it was quite a lot. I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting week. Again, I, I still bang on about this early slate. I don't know what it is with the early slate this year, but it's really starting to get my goat, where... There's just not enough excitement going on in that early slate. I mean, how many games were blown out? You get to eight o'clock and it's like we know the result of most of these games. I mean, it was only the Panthers having the late comeback that kind of made that slate relevant because the rest of it was, oh, look, the Colts are blowing out the Texans. Oh, look, the Ravens are blowing out the Chargers. And it's just like, okay, great. Everyone's everyone's up, die, two or three scores. I think every game, with the exception of that Panthers game that went to overtime, were over one score difference. And it was just a bit like, all right. Cheers. Thanks. I'm not trying to be like naysaying about it and go, yeah. this, I mean, it's just a bit frustrating. Like you want to see drama and action, but it's that later slate that's always seeming to provide it right now, even though it's less games. And I guess I just want to see a bit of a closer contest. But I think for me, the things that really caught my eye this week, um, I, I definitely thought it's a, it's a tricky one. I, I, I've been keeping an eye on Joe Mixon this, this season and, you know, the th- I was a bit unsure with the injury status. I thought, you know, I knew he's obviously going to be a, a startable back. Or you know he's going to be sort of a high-end RB2, maybe an RB1. And that's kind of where you drafted him. But, you know, third game now this season. Don't forget he's missed a game. So it's three, three in four or five games that he's had 20-plus opportunities. That's, you know, the combined rushing attempts and targets this season. And that offensive line, which I think has been quite questionable uh, in previous years, actually doesn't look too bad. It looks like they're really creating the holes and they're really exploiting them. And I, I look at Joe Mixon now and think, he's, if he can stay healthy, and that's the only question I have of him, and this trend continues, 
he's going to be a top six back for the rest of the season because the line is producing the holes. He is really making the most of them. He's got the utmost opportunity to do it. And you think of how many backs right now have the opportunity Joe Mixon has. You're looking at Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry. I'm kind of struggling. Maybe Darrell Henderson. Leonard Fournette, uh, you could argue. Leonard Fournette at this stage. And, and that, that was, you know, my but next point. That can change out. in the next half a game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it will. I, I, I think now, you know, I think, I think Fournette, now he's he's one of those players that you'd have to say is is borderline bell cow. I mean, I, I looked at his usage: twenty-two rushing attempts, eighty-one yards, two touchdowns, six passes, um, six passes off six targets he caught, forty-six yards. So you know, the, the one thing we haven't seen from Fournette yet is that big run, that big forty, fifty-yard run that we kind of saw it, it towards the playoffs. We got the you know the spin moves going, and he was running in those quarter longer touchdowns. That's the one thing we've not seen from Fournette. If you've got Ronald Jones on your roster now, you can just cut him. He's 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 there's nothing to him. Fournette is going to monopolize eighty percent of the opportunities in that backfield until further notice, or until he gets injured, or he loses his confidence. But right now, this is peak Fournette, and I mean, you you see it firsthand. We talk about it for you know quite frequently. That, that o'clock in the morning, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he is the he is the running back to own. And we, you know, we were all a bit uncertain about what to do with Tampa. We were unsure. What this, you know, Giovanni Bernard, I always said I was going to fade Bernard. I don't think I drafted him anywhere. I didn't. I just thought he was a new McCoy. He was someone who was going to come in. He was going to do a few things, but he's a backup. He's someone who's going to be picking up opportunity when needed. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn is not a thing. You know, he is basically not even relevant anymore. And Rojo... I don't know what it is. I mean, he's, he looks all right. Whenever he gets the ball, I don't look at Ronald Jones and think, oh, he's a bad player. I just don't think he's... He's got that explosiveness about him, but he, he's too inconsistent. Whereas Fournette, I think now at his best, is is consistent. And, uh, I mean, he was the RB2 this week. I mean, we still have Henry to go, so maybe he knocks down to, to RB3. But, I mean, still, he, he's someone that holds RB2 upside, or even RB2 numbers to the rest of the way. And, potentially getting those RB1 weeks if, if he carries on like he did last week. Which with the injuries at running back that we've suffered across the league this year, where he was drafted is fantastic value upside for what you're getting for him. So yeah, um, I want to go back to Joe Mixon. You started that conversation off before me and you obviously mm. tended towards the Bucks, as I'm sure we're going to do and probably get moaned <laughs> at many times. Yeah. Um, we saw obviously an emergence, not just at the Bengals, but across the league of rookie running backs and touchdowns this week. And you mentioned Joe Mixon having the opportunities there. Is there an argument that Chris Evans might start to squeeze some of that? So I got him in my waiver wire this week, and I just spoke about him briefly before we came on here on the waiver wire show. And he is a very interesting player. He's only 2% owned on the ESPN League. So he's someone that I would definitely be stashing and, and having. And there is a case that he will have these plays. For me, I look at what he did last week, especially, well, I say last week, yesterday, especially with um, that 25-yard touchdown reception that he had for the touch and, and i look at that and think there will be gadget plays where he will be used but it's very clear that mixon is going to get 80 85 percent of the opportunity share here for me he's got to be owned you've got to if i'm if i'm now in a league and i'm down to two or three running backs i am stashing chris evans everywhere because i think you look at what goes on in that team they are going to run the ball the opportunity is going to be there 
Mixon is not the healthiest of backs we've ever seen. He gets injured every year at some point. He's already missed a game. He could miss more. You don't wish that on anybody. Of course not. I don't want Joe Mixon to go down and miss time or miss the season. But you have to be realistic that if you are a team struggling right now for running back, I'd be stashing these sorts of players. Chris Evans would be very much near the top of my list because I just think if if Mixon goes down, he is going to have very little. Smudgy P. Ryan, I don't think is a big thing. I think he might get some work, but I think Evans looks explosive. And I think the only thing for Evans, I don't understand how he got to the sixth round. Like, I don't get it. I always thought he was a good prospect. I, I, it's almost a bit of a shame that he's never going to be more than... I mean, his his ceiling is a 40% role, and I don't think he gets that very often, unless there's something out with Mixon. Yeah. But, but you I said he's injury prone, right? So Yeah, but that's what I mean. That's what you're, you're getting um, Chris Evans for. But I do think you see him get some touchdowns this year. I see him getting the odd touchdown um, every couple of games. You can see him getting a play like he did the other day and, and get there. But yeah, I don't think he's got a big enough standalone role right now. You say he has no relevance and less of an injury, but two other rookies that have got exactly that same opening, uh, obviously Khalil Herbert and Chuba Hubbard, both walked yeah. into places where they would be second or third backs at best, uh, and now suddenly find themselves with a very very big workload on their shoulder. Yeah, I, so Herbert's interesting uh, because Herbert got over 17 carries again, as he did a couple of weeks ago. What's more interesting is he got that first load uh, with Damian Williams there, but Damian Williams got the majority of the the sort of main opportunity, the the value touches, as you'd like to call them. Um, Whereas you're looking at this week, it was just him there. And what I like about him is, you know, he can carry 20 plus times a game. He is very much, what I'd like to call him now, and this is probably a little bit unfair, is um, David Montgomery light. In the sense of, I think he is the perfect shadow guy for David Montgomery. David Montgomery's out and you want a David Montgomery impersonator to come in, Khalil Herbert is that. Maybe that's not doing his entire skill set justice, but he's a downhill runner, powerful, great on the goal line, um, similar to David Montgomery. Right now, the next couple of weeks, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Damian Williams if he comes back, what kind of role he gets, maybe they're 50-50. But I think Herbert has earned the right to get more touches. But I think with Herbert, what's different, and why I think he's an interesting dynasty ad, is... I see games now where we know how valuable David Montgomery is. People sat there and slated him for ages unfairly. And he's proven that he's a good NFL running I'm not going to say he's the best NFL running back I've ever seen, but he's a very good running back. In games where Chicago, and I can't see this happening this season, but at some point Chicago get good with a different coaching system. And they think we're not going to give David Montgomery 30 touches a game or 25 touches a game. We're going to just keep him fresh. You can run Kilo Herbert and run exactly the same book and exactly the same scheme with exactly the same runner. Like you've got the same guy basically there and it complements the offense. So there's, I think there's a role for Herbert moving forward, even when Montgomery comes back. Is it going to be standalone enough to make him a flex play most weeks? I don't know, but it depends how easy they want to go on David Montgomery. They might shut David Montgomery down if the Bears are going to fall out of contention for the playoffs, which won't be very long. Um, but I do think that Herbert is a is an interesting ad, and I I would be adding him, especially for the next couple of weeks, but maybe beyond. He could he could have a role in this offense going forward. He looks very very competent. Next week they do travel to Tampa, so it might not be the best week to play a running back against Tampa. No, but I think volume. Yeah, I agree with that. But I always think volume is 
is a big thing. And I think yep. at the end of the day, he's going to get 20 plus carries. Now, listen, he might go for three and a bit yards per carry. But yep. and it's different in the three games. Against Vegas, he had a 53% snap share and 18 carries. Uh, and against Green Bay, he had an 89% snap share and only 19 carries. Only one extra carry, despite nearly doubling his snap care. Um, in terms of his carries, he was over five yards a carry, which is a fantastic effort. Um, you'd like to think 89% of the snaps should probably be up in the sort of mid-20s on attempts. Though. I guess the game script being behind a bit for that took away from it. But if he can deliver five yards a carry, they're going to give him the ball. Yeah, but and also you've got to look at how bad that Chicago offense is, right? Uh, you, you've got there, Justin Justin Fields is, is, this is no disrespect to Justin Fields. I appreciate he's a new quarterback, he's a young quarterback. He's still playing his trade. But, you know, in the four games that he started, he's thrown for two touchdowns. He's got an average of 140 yards, 0.5 per, <laughs> per game that he's throwing. And he's averaging 17 rushing yards. At the end of the day, Justin Fields is holding on the ball too long. He's taking too many sacks. He's indecisive. He's not going to throw the ball 30 times a game. We have seen this. So we know that in game scripts where, even if it's a negative game script, the only way that Chicago moved the ball was with the run. Against Tampa, that's going to be difficult. You're going to have to be a little bit creative. But we do know that Tampa, especially right now with that, when you've got the, the defensive backs that Tampa have got right now, which are effectively just guys that they're signing and trying to, trying to play, they're giving up too many pass interference calls. Now, if they just throw a deep ball and try and hope on one of those, that's going to be where Khalil Herbert's going to get his touchdown. Now, I can't see him making that many 80-yard drives, but if they can get those penalties, get those pass interference calls, Khalil Herbert really comes into play in the red zone. And that's where I think he is an interesting act because I, I don't see him getting 100 yards, but I do see him getting 70 and a touchdown. I mean, Miles Gaskin got two against the Buccaneers because similar plays. They got down into the red zone with, with pass interference calls. Miles Gaskin did it from 15 yards or so and, and burst through. And that's where I see Herbert doing something very, very similar. So I, that's why I think he's he's interesting, even though we know we shouldn't start that many running backs against Tampa. It just becomes touchdown dependent, though, from a fantasy basis, doesn't it? Rather than... 100%. And yeah. with that many players on bye this week, Herbert can still be a top a top 30. Oh, oh. He's easily a top 30 option because I don't think there's 30 guys that you can start this so week. Injuries over, and buyers, he's fit and playing. Stick him in. So. Exactly that. I mean, I think... I think I think if you've got Khalil Herbert on, I mean, like, I haven't done my rankings for this week, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine 24 guys I'm going to have over Khalil Herbert this week just on the volume alone. Like, um, I, I, I mean, we're talking about guys like AJ Dillon or Khalil Herbert. That, that's the kind of like numbers we're at when we're talking about 24 running backs. So yeah, I, I, I think he, I think he's a must start purely on. I don't think there's better guys there, and I do think he has upside, but it is touchdown dependent that upside. It will be next week, yeah. Anything else that caught your eye or surprised you during the week? Um, a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. The first is I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony. Now, we don't know if he's going to play this week. We, he has got an ankle injury. And people were sitting there really cursing. as I started Kadarius Tony. It's a stupid idea. He gets injured in the third minute or wherever it was. The guy in the first eight snaps had three catches for 30-plus yards. For those that started Kadarius Tony this week, that proves that little snippet, the two minutes he played, because you can't legislate for injury, but that two minutes he played justifies your entire selection. Because in the first two minutes, he's got three, you know, he still put up 6.9 PPR points in the opening two minutes of the game. What was his usage would have been had he played the entire game? Yeah, I'm not saying he would have put up... In 18 target game, right? 
Well, I mean, yeah, probably not that Sounds high, fine. but I mean, yeah, exactly. But he could he could have easily got you fifteen, twenty. I don't know. I think fifteen fantasy points is pretty straightforward. Like, I think that's what he would have ended up with. And I, I think the process was right. I think listen, you're going to get you have to legislate for sometimes just bad things happening, and it did to it did to Tony. But I take away from that. Whenever Tony's fit and ready, he he's a starting option. End off because if he's going to get off to those kind of starts, and we had the game that he came off on Thursday night football, he he now is in your conversation for flex or wide receiver three most weeks with that kind of usage. So that that really struck me because I know he got injured, and that will get lost on people because they'll look at the box score, they won't have watched the game, they wouldn't have seen when he got those touches. But it was literally, I think he went out in like the third minute of the game, so. And he still didn't hurt you. Know, Six point nine. It's not great, but I mean, it's better than zero. Like most players would have got at that that point in the game. So that that caught my eye. Um, why are you on the Giants? I'll say why oh, are you yeah. on the Giants. Something that surprised me. I'll say surprise me. Surprise ain't the right word. Daniel Jones. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> Performing pretty well, fantasy wise. A tough matchup against the Rams. Game script says that potentially he should be in for, even if it's garbage time yards and plays, you know, they should be chasing a score in the game. And he fell up to pieces. We Daniel Jones did, I guess. Three interceptions, a fumble lost, 29 from 51 and 200 yards with no touchdowns was, I'd say, surprise wasn't the right word, I guess, but. <laughs> I mean, a question how healthy he was. But yeah, I don't, I don't think. I, listen, I think he's been pretty good this season. But Daniel Jones is like Jameis Winston. He's going to have those games. He just, you know, I, I sat here a couple of weeks ago and completely praised Daniel Jones for the way he played. And I think he'd be one of the best passers in the league. Um, he gets that concussion um, last week. He starts to go a bit downhill. He lost the ball. And there's something there isn't. So I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and defend Daniel Jones as this elite NFL quarterback because until we see two years plus of that kind of production he put on in the first four games, then, you know, we, we can change that opinion, the narrative that he turns over the ball a lot. But he wasn't quite healthy. And at the end of the day, he was playing the Rams. And that Rams D can do it to most teams. Um, so I think it was bad. I think it was really bad. I question, was he 100% healthy? But let's just hope now that we just don't get this landslide of turnovers. I'd like him to, to control the ball better. My, my biggest issue with him is, it's the the strip the strip sack fumbles. Like, when are they going to get? When are they going to go? On the odd play, an elite defender is going to knock the ball out. You can sit there and swallow it all you like, but that ball security has been questioned for two years now, and he's now still losing the ball there. He needs to eat those sacks better. Um, so Week that's, seven, tough game against Carolina as well with that young, hungry, aggressive defense they've got. Yeah, but they're not the Rams, D, so you would hope that they would be slightly better and improve. The one thing I forgot, actually, about Justin Fields, um, and I wanted to get into this because I want to try and justify why Justin Fields is is struggling. And I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to pause you there, because I've got yeah. a bit on Justin Fields to come to later. If we okay, we'll, we'll do it then. Um, but yeah, with the Giants, I think the Giants are just in a difficult situation. I think they need to improve... Um, offensively but I think a lot of it's play calling as well and I'd say the same for Denver Denver's another one for me that I just I, they frustrate me as a, as a team um I don't know what Pat Sherman was doing yesterday with his play calling but I, I, I'm kind of lost for words with all the weapons that they've got and they can't even work out how to beat teams from a schematic point of view 
and it hurts the fantasy numbers. Like people are going to look at it and go, Teddy Bridgewater was bad. And I, I don't think that's fair. I'm not the biggest Teddy Bridgewater fan, but you you know with 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 the Raiders, Raiders defend, they let you get your yards. It's almost similar to how the Bucks defend in the Super Bowl. You can go get your yards, but we're going to stop the big play and we're going to stop you with the yards after the catch. You want to throw the ball 10, 15 yards down the field and have a safe completion, you can do that all day long. But you're not going to beat us over the top and you're not going to beat us with an explosive yards after catch. Yeah, he had a chance, didn't he? And he missed Cortland Sutton. He overthrew him. Yeah, he, he did. And it was, was a bad throw. But he's also hurried by that offensive line. You know, he's getting sacked. He's getting hit. He's not set up with the best way to, to play. And Pat Shermer has a lot to answer for because they've got a lot of weapons. They've got a lot of talent. And that, that offense is just struggling. And also Javante Williams. Javante Williams, again, makes another big explosive play. What's his reward? They just give the carries to Melvin Gordon there in a 50-50 timeshare. It's absolutely baffling how Javante Williams can every single week show he's an explosive player and he's still in a 50-50 timeshare. Yeah, they don't have a clue. Like I, I'm convinced now that that coaching staff with the challenge flags, what Vic Banjo was doing yesterday, absolutely boggling why he's making challenge calls that he can't win. Or was he just trying to buy himself some extra time to think of a play? I don't really know. But they just seemed lost, Denver. I mean, they were 3-0. and Everyone's talking, oh, Denver, they're unbeaten. You know, they beat three borderline slightly better than college teams. And that's not being horrible. That was just the way it is. You know, they beat the Jets. They beat Jacksonville. They, you know, you don't get any respect from me for beating those teams. And then now every team that starts playing them all of a sudden goes on a run. Pittsburgh couldn't couldn't play anything for three weeks. All of a sudden looked like a, a pretty decent team again. The Raiders now, you know, lost a few in a row, looking a bit struggling. And then now all of a sudden they look like they're going to go on a run. Seattle were the same. I just don't, I don't give Denver any respect and, and their coaching staff. I mean, they'll all be gone. If, if anyone is smart there, you clear all the coaching staff out, you get a new quarterback. And you you get a new offensive line because they're going to struggle. I mean, I can't see them getting six wins this season now. I think they'll beat the really bad teams. I don't think they'll beat any good teams. That's how I see them. And I think Shermer, Shermer is an offensive coordinator, is pretty much nicking a living right now. Fair enough. So, what did we learn this week? You mentioned uh, Trevor Lawrence looked good in London. Yeah, he did. And I, I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, what impresses me with Trevor Lawrence is it's three straight games now of at least fantasy, 15 fantasy points, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he's a rookie. And he came in highly touted. I think people were perhaps too bullish on his rushing ability. Um, and I think what they're doing, what they're really realizing now is they're a better team when James Robinson touches the ball. That's just a fact. I mean, I could have told, I told you that in the off. My learning's like Scott. James Robinson is good, even in a bad team. <laughs> Literally, no, I wrote down. <laughs> But they they were a better offense when they when they get James Robinson involved. Um, I talked about this on podcasts I've been on uh, all summer long that James Robinson is always going to be a thing. But it was just a question of how much how much was Chuba, uh, how much was Travis Etienne going to eat into the into that. We now don't have that problem for this year. Next year is a different problem. But what I like about what Trevor Lawrence is doing is he's made mistakes, but he's not making the same mistakes. I think you can forgive any rookie going in and making a mistake, can overthrow a, a player, can give away interceptions can misread offenses it's going to happen it's a completely different sport to college football i don't care what anyone says it's a different speed it's a different sport but what i like from trevor lawrence now is every time he makes that mistake he's gone don't do that again and he's learning and he looks more competent he looks more composed he looks poised over 300 yards i thought he was very very good in a in a, in a game that can phase anybody in london it's it's a wild card that is a, a literal lottery, that game was. No one could have called a definitive um, We scored a rookie the week before, and Zach Wilson struggled to handle that. Exactly. And I think that's the that's the key. I think the, the poise, the composure of him, 
And I really think, I really think as well, he's on a bye this week, but I look at next the following week against the Seahawks, against that defense, which, you know, lacks real leadership and composure. Wouldn't shock me if he went and had a good game in week eight. So I, I think for me, Trevor Lawrence is that sort of in that 12 to 15 range of quarterbacks for the rest of the season. I really like what he's doing. He's getting better every single week, which is what you want to see. Um, and I think I'd look now at those rookie quarterbacks and have this view of, I 100% see why not only he's one overall, but I think he's the best of the bunch and he's showing that with consistent progression, which I can't say about the others right now. It's hard, isn't it? Because the expectation of him being so good coming from college into the NFL is there. But what you, I guess you need to remember is that he went number one to the Jags and the Jags were number one pick for a reason. They ultimately wasn't a very good and probably still aren't a very good football team. And one player doesn't change that regardless of, of how good said player is. So um, there are signs of improving. They, they brought in Marvin Jones, who, who looks steady and looks trusted. Um, incredibly underrated fantasy-wise for my liking. Um, James Robinson is delivering now five touchdowns in his last four games. It looks like they're figuring out how to start using him. If they can get Robinson going, it, it will buy more time in the pocket for Trevor Lawrence. And, and hopefully, all they've got to do now is figure out LaVisca Chenault, I guess, because who knows what they're going to do with him. Well, it's interesting you say that. You know, he had a, he had a, a, a sort of, not career high, but a season high, 85% of snaps, ran a lot of routes. Um, highest stop to season balls, amount of routes yeah. he ran. Yeah, exactly. He did drop up some balls, but he, he is getting utilized more in this offense. They are finding ways to use him. And I think the key piece to this is, is the piece we haven't talked about, which is Dan Arnold. They traded for him. And I think that's giving uh, Trevor Lawrence just a little bit of extra security across the middle. Now, Dan Arnold didn't set the world alight with his with his numbers yesterday. But, you know, he was there. He was available. He blocked quite a lot. He, he was a pretty steady hand. But he's had 13 targets in two games since they've traded for him. There is clearly a plan to get a tight end involved. Uh, quite a big, strong tight end who's going to hold up traffic, who's going to block, but more importantly, he's going to be that security blanket over the middle. Because I, I look at I look at where they are now, and especially losing DJ Shark, they don't have a lot over the middle. If you look at Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, when he was struggling as a passer, he was always over the middle. He's in fact, it's still his favorite route is over the middle. But to get going, to get that confidence was completing the passes over the middle. At the moment, you've got Chenault and you've got Marvin Jones. You don't really have that route over the middle. And I think because the early part of the season coming out of the backfield, right? Well, a hundred percent. And that's, I think that was why they were going to play, which is what I always saw him was that option across the middle. And I think James O'Shaughnessy goes down. He wasn't the right guy anyway. I think that's why they traded for Dan Arnold was the thinking, right, we've got what we've got. We will get some plays over the middle to James Robinson, but it's an obvious option. We need that second option to Trevor. And I think this is where you're going to start to see Trevor Lawrence get even more confidence. He's got more weapons, more targets to aim at. And he'll be a better player as a result once he's really figuring out how these defences are lining up against him. So I think um, I think the Jags are on are onto something. I, I look at them every week. They, they're getting progressively better. They're not so much of a, a joke as they were in the first couple of weeks of the season. They do look like there's a little bit of momentum there, even close loss to Bengals. You know, got this big win now. That monkey of 20, 0 and 20, 0 and 21's off their back now. They can they can start to move forward. And I think you'll see that after the bye. Statistical trends. What is carrying on through six weeks? Now, I've got on my notes, and I know you've said this before, Bears throwing for 150 yards a game cannot sustain a quarterback and two receivers, Nalan Robinson and Darnell Mooney, that people expected things from. I held you back earlier from mentioning it. The Bears did 174 yards of 16 throws last week. Um, what have you got for 
Chicago? Because I know you want to go at Justin Fields. Go on. I, I don't want to go at Justin Fields because I like Justin Fields. But I'm now you're starting to see this picture of, and this is not, I'm not trying to judge him on, you can only judge him on what we can see. And I think a lot of it is to do with Matt Nagy. I, I'm not going to sit here and place the, the scheme. I'm not going to place all the blame at Justin Fields' feet here because I think he's set up to fail. I said that a few weeks ago. I've seen nothing to convince me otherwise. But the one thing I am going to get on, on Justin Fields' form is on next-gen stats, there is a metric measured for aggressiveness. And what that is is throwing into tight windows. So that is throwing into coverage where there is at least a player, defensive player within one yard of where the ball is received by the receiver. Now, best quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes is, he's at about 8%. You're looking at Tom Brady's around about 10, 11%. Most of these top quarterbacks are hovering between sort of that 10 and 13%. Some might go out to 15%. Now, leading this metric is Justin Fields, and he's throwing it into traffic 24.2% of the time. So basically, one in every four balls he's letting go, he is throwing that into traffic, into where there is a receiver, uh, a defender within one yard of the receiver. Which means, unless that receiver is going to make an explosive play, maybe turn, pivot, put him on the ground, there's no yards after the catch. Your risk of interceptions, he's thrown three, which isn't an astronomical amount in four games. So he is throwing it reasonably accurately, but you're leaving opportunities for balls to get batted away, for plays not to be made. That is a shocking statistic. One in four, he's throwing into traffic. It's not sustainable. And I don't know if he's throwing it in there because he's struggling with reads and progressions or if he's just not got the ability or confidence to go away from the design play. I don't know why. Or is why it the receivers not having the ability to get open, perhaps? Well, they're running the routes that are prescribed. So, I, I, and I, you know, I look at Alan Robinson, for example. I, I couldn't say that Alan Robinson is running a lot of bad routes. If you look at his intended air yards versus... You know, last like yesterday, you know, for example, he had over 200 air yards, but he only caught, you know, 66 of them receiving. Like at the end of the day, there's so much of it that is within the receiver's control. And I would be loath to blame a player of Alan Robinson's caliber for not running a lot of the correct routes. You could say that if that happened once or twice, you go, yeah, sure, every player does it as a mystery. We've seen Mike Evans do it. Um, we've seen a lot of elite players run the wrong route. It happens. But that frequent one in four throws and he's into traffic. That says to me one of two things. Either his receivers aren't fit and therefore aren't getting separation, which I find hard to believe, or that he's struggling with progressions. So he's basically, they've got a design play and he's literally following it to the letter. And he's like, right, you're going to throw to Alan Robinson on a slant route and that is where you're going to go. And he's struggling to pick out an alternative play. It's all pre-scripted and because he's holding on the ball too long, you know, time, time to throw is quite high. It's about three, it's just under three seconds. I believe what he's doing is he's not giving himself, either he's struggling with all those progressions and he's like, oh, I don't know it's there. Or he's just like, I'm just waiting for him to finish his route and I'm going to hit him on his mark. Either way, it's a lack of decision-making. He's getting too many sacks as a result of that. I blame the coaching more, but I would like to see Justin Fields come out and be a little bit, I don't know, a bit more electric. I want to see him take the offense by control and use his legs and to actually just say, do you know what? I'm throwing it there because I think that's the best place to put the ball. And I don't think he is. I think he's very much under lock and key. And it's a shame for him. But I think sometimes he's just got to go, I'm the one on the field. I can see the field better than the coaches. I've got to sometimes make my own decisions. 
Yeah, and we've already mentioned his next game is is Tampa Bay. So if there's ever a chance where his receiver should be open and if he can get through those reads, he should have a very poor Tampa secondary at the minute that he can prey on because they're not going to be able to run the ball. He's going to have to throw it. It is the way to score points against Tampa. Um, you'd like to think this is a week for him to step up and actually show he deserves to be here and have that jersey. Well, what, what have they got to lose? They're going to go. They're going to go into that game as anywhere from like eight to twelve points underdogs. They're playing the Super Bowl champions. What realistically do the Chicago Bears have to lose just to go for it? Not a lot. All right, we know this Tampa is good. We know they're going to get turnovers. Fine, but at least you go down fighting. This 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 morbidly slow and zombie-like offense is single-handedly one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in the NFL. Because, and listen, I don't I don't think the Lions are a good team. In fact, I think they're the worst team in the NFL. But the one thing I will say about the Lions, even with Jared Goff, and I, I, that decision yesterday to throw the ball away on fourth down might be the worst thing I've ever seen. Because you're just basically, that says to me, I quit. I've just done. Why are you throwing the ball away when the defense can do it? But exclude him. The rest of that offense is really trying. It's, it's talent devoid but it's trying. There's effort. They're really trying to, you know, they're going for it aggressively on their own 18-yard line on fourth down, on fourth and one. Like, they're giving it a go. They're just not very good. I don't know what, I don't, the Bears just aren't, for me, they're not trying. Not offensively. I don't think they're really giving it a go. Your quarterback's throwing for 140 yards a game. That's not trying. That's just, now we just run the ball. We'll see what happens. That didn't work. Oh, well, we'll try again next week. I just want to see him do something different. It's not work. Go against Tampa. Just go, right, we're just going to take this. If we lose by 20, we lose by 20. But if we go down swinging, it's something to build on. Fun. So injury is another thing that keep occurring week on week. And here we are again. Um, the Browns, obviously, are without Chubb. Uh, and now we're hearing Hunt might be out for three weeks. Baker Mayfield, obviously, was had issues during the game. Uh, Antonio Gibson, we've really touched on. Kadarius Tony going out. Daniel Jones looked beat up. You've got Damian Williams and and what's going on there in Chicago again and Saquon Barkley still out as well. It's like, as we said earlier, Khalil Herbert's going to play purely because he's going to be fit and healthy. <laughs> That's all you've got in your fantasy lineups this week. So there's a lot of monitoring to do with these guys. I look at I look at them right now, the Chicago, uh, the Chicago Bears, and think the only player I'm starting in fantasy football next week for them is Khalil Herbert. I don't want I don't want Aaron Robinson with a team throwing 140 yards a game. I don't want Darnell Mooney. I don't. I don't want Justin Fields. I don't want any of those teams near my fantasy lineups. Like at the end of the day, I, Khalil Herbert's the only one I'd, I feel comfortable putting in the starting lineup next week, or, or or Damian Williams if he's back from COVID. But these injuries are, are piling up. We're getting a lot of injuries now, and it is now a case of we're down the bed, especially at the running back position. We're at bare bones. We're, we're at a point now where anyone that's going to get 15, 15 touches, even that twelve, anyone's going to get twelve touches is probably startable this week. Like and these. I, I'm looking at AJ Dillon thinking, I'm struggling to think of, of 30 players that I'd rank above AJ Dillon this week. Look at Tampa to trade out Ronald Jones and away we go. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could definitely happen. I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, and then, you know, now you've got what's going on in Seattle. There's talk that, that Cam Newton is someone they're interested in and maybe they sign him over Geno Smith. And then what does that mean? Does that mean Russell Wilson's going to be out longer than we think he's going to be out? There's so many different injuries in so many different places. You know, we've got, you know, Christian McCaffrey on IR. You've got, you got players beat up everywhere. And I think it's going to be week seven. The good thing about week seven and all these teams on buyers 
the Austin Ecklers of this world, the, the Zeke Elliott's, they're going to get healthy now. They've got a week now to really sort of put these things behind them and, and get healthy. And, and over the coming weeks, we're going to get some players who need some rest, get some much needed rest. But in the meantime, we've just got to find these these stop gaps. And I mean, it, it's hard right now. It it really is hard uh, to look at what's going on. But I I think that it's a it's a we just have to pick, we have to play the game. You know, we have to pick uh, pick players who we think can just do something out of nothing. And I, I look at players who are just sort of trending up their usage going, I, I, someone like Rashad Bateman, I look at him yesterday, uh, six targets on NFL debut off off the IR. And I think, yeah, that that's a player I want, I want as much of as, as I can. And I think we have to, we're going to get to stash plays in a minute. I think it's using some of those guys and it's just being a bit smart and taking risks. Uh, Khalil Herbert, I think he's only available in 40% of leagues, but if he's there, you, you got to, you got to put some coin down 25, 30% of your fab. Um, yes. He's got a short role. Yes. It's only going to go for a couple of weeks, but if you haven't got anyone to week 10, I don't, I don't think there's a better option right now um, on the wave wire. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, the same. Chuba Hubbard's there. He's got to be worth half your fab. You've got to throw it in. You've got to take some risks because these guys are going to be relevant. And if you'll, and we talked about Chris Evans, he's someone you just got to go and buy now for next to nothing um, while he's still cheap. Because if Joe Mixon goes down, you've got that handcuff. Jamie I told him for a third in Dynasty this week. Ah, oh, see, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it, but third round picks don't mean enough. That's the problem. This, if you got a Never second, mind. I'd have gone. Yeah, I'd have done that. A third, I just think, uh, is anyone good in the third round? Especially the third round next year. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it'd be anyone in the third round. I'd be remotely interested in. I think there's about 15 players in this class. I'm, I'm bothered about. But yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting. An interesting couple of weeks. These buys are going to hit hard, and there's a lot of tough decisions to be had. But just watch those injury wires, and, and we'll keep you updated as much as we can. So instead of looking back to week six, let's look turn our attention and look forward to week seven. We mentioned buyers: Buffalo Bills, Dallas Cowboys, Jacksonville Jaguars, Minnesota Vikings, the LA Chargers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That seems like a fantasy minefield having all six of those out at once. So what players are we looking to to bounce back? We've mentioned players that have underperformed. Antonio Gibson, perhaps, you've said, um, didn't perform in week six. You've lost players now to those on buyers. Who are we Who are we hoping has a big week and steps up to be counted this week for us? So I, I looked at someone like John J. Swift and Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson's got the shin injury. Keep an eye on that. If if he looks any healthier than he did last week, he'll bounce back. John J. Swift didn't have a good game, but it's very clear. If he has a bad game, that offense is, is mute doesn't work so they're going to have to find a way to get the ball to Andre Smith more and I think Dan Campbell is smart enough to to realize that um some really interesting things I picked up this week is um and I mentioned this last week but it's actually gone even more so Chris Godwin on the stat box didn't have the best of weeks um you know he he ran hard yeah you know he did everything he needed to do but it just didn't go his way they went the touchdowns went to Mike Evans and they went to um Antonio Brown now the one thing about Chris Godwin that I find absolutely fascinating, and this completely shocked me when I looked at this, is he's the number one receiving wide rec- number one receiving player in the red zone this season. He's got ten grabs from twelve catches, uh, from twelve targets. He's got two touchdowns in that time, which is interesting. But he's got ten receptions in the red zone, but only only two touchdowns. Um, only one of those was inside ten. And he's getting, he's got three of his 10 receptions inside the 10. So it says he is that threat 
in that intermediary range, that 20 to 10. He's got he's got seven grabs in that range, which is more than any other player. He's got more red zone grabs than any other player in the NFL right now. So I think Chris Godwin is primed because if he keeps getting that red zone usage that we've always associated goes to Evans and maybe to the tight end. But if Gronk's not back and the way his usage, his usage there, if he can break that tackle, he could get a few touchdowns in that range of that 20 to 10 range. I think that's where we're going to see Godwin continue to be used. And I think anyone that's getting that kind of volume in that range is always bound to overperform what's expected. So I really like Chris Godwin to to put up some numbers this week. And he was someone I wasn't very high on coming into the season, but he's someone who's doing, for me, an extraordinary job. Um, so he's someone I expect to, to bounce back quite significantly. Now, we talked about Fournette, and I know he had a great week last week. He's actually now um seventh in terms of uh total attempts in the red zone as well which again isn't something that we associate with the buccaneers that much a, a strong running threat but seventh out of all running backs running the ball down there and he's got um he's got uh he's got just a one touchdown there i'd expect that to increase i don't think it's all going to go to to road uh sorry no he's got three down there apologies um so he's yeah i think that number will, will continue to climb um austin eckler again he just had a bad game. That Chargers had a bad game. I know they're off this week, but I expect him to bounce back in week in week eight. Um, but they're, well, the they're whole time the just had a bad game, right? So they should all bounce back in week eight. And I think it's quite easy to see why. First of all, they're playing a good team and and they stuffed them. But the second thing is when it's we realised in that game how important Mike Williams is. Now Mike Williams was banged up, but he was hurt. Herbert completed a, a season low 56% of, of passes. That's never going to go well. Um, but on top of on top of all of that with them is there was just no explosive plays. They just couldn't couldn't get anything going. They rely on that deep ball. If Mike Williams is hurt, they're relying on you know Justin Guyton and and a few others. So or Jalen Guyton, sorry. So look, Mike Williams is so important. If he gets healthy in week seven that charged offense will be flying in week eight because he's, he's been one of the standout players uh, of the season. So I do think that's one I would uh, be watching and keeping an eye on as well as I'll be keeping an eye on players like Rashad Bateman, Jamar Chase, who's on a really insanely good pace right now. They're players I'd expect to really pick up. and, and Someone like Jalen Waddle and Marcus Dickey did well in London and they've got a fab poor Falcons defense this week. Yeah, definitely potential plays. We have to see the status of, of Parker, but yeah, it seems to be that there's no run game going on in Miami right now. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be having parts of Jalen Waddle. I think my only worry with Waddle is he's not getting those big explosive plays. I think his longest play yesterday was like 14 yards. It's a bit of an issue for me. I want to be seen. But all, everything else is trending in the right direction. Usage, snap share, target percentage, all of that's going right up for for Jalen Waddle. Just, I just want to see an explosive play now. I want to see a 30-yard, 40-yard, 50-yard play uh from him which is not something that we've we've seen yet this season i think that's what he's missing from going from a low-end wide receiver two to a high-end wide receiver two fine so going into week seven said buyers injuries killing us you're sat at two and four three and three you're on that playoff bubble what kind of players should we be looking for on this waiver one i know you do a waiver wire show but who are we looking at to, to make a difference those deep sleeper guys that, that can help us out potentially yeah, so I, th- I think right now you need to have a think about where your team is deficient. And I've got some guys in, in every position. So um, if you're deficient at quarterback right now, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is on your waiver wire, which I think he'll be on more waiver wires than we would probably expect at this stage. He is someone for me who I'd be trying to get at, I wouldn't say at all costs, but he's someone I'd be willing to put 
quite a significant amount in. He's 4.8% owned, so he's available in almost every league. Now, Taylor Heineke's not done enough to keep this job. I thought Taylor Heineke would keep this job, but yesterday kind of proved to me he's gone. And, you know, they're on bye after this, so we're looking at the playing this week. They're on bye. I think Fitz will be back for week nine. I think that's where I look, I look at them and think, you can get him now for a dollar. Nothing, probably. Probably don't even have to waste a waiver priority claim. People have forgotten about Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I look at players on the waiver wire right now at quarterback and think, who is someone who's going to give me a 25, 30 point week, a really big week that can win me a matchup? I think he's it. I think that him and Matt Ryan are probably the only two players I could look at and say, yeah, I think they could put up a really, really big week. I think they, they will definitely do a job. Um, I'm not looking at anyone else in that range and thinking, yeah, they're going to do it unless Sean Watson gets traded. That's probably the only other one I would I would say is explosive. Um, so, yeah, I'd be buying Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're really desperate, Tyra Taylor, I don't think he's going to put up big numbers, but he does bring a safe floor. If you're someone who's worried about your quarterback situation and, and you want to get a spot of 15 points every week, Tyra Taylor will probably do that for you. So opposite ends, if you're going for that big boom or bust, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, if you're looking for a very safe quarterback, you could do worse than, than Tyra Taylor. Um Looking at running back, I mean, really, to be honest, anyone with a pulse will probably get a look in right now. I think you've got to own, you got, you got, you got right the, the the premium running backs team. So, you know, players like Pollard would be probably well owned. Madison would probably be well owned. All those sorts of players would be well owned. So, I'd be looking, You're looking at, at what Chris, DJ Dallas type players at Seattle. Oh, well, Alex Collins, I'd say, is still the one there. Oh, well, it looks like, yeah. it. Um, but I'd be, I'd be owning Carlos Hyde if I could. Um, Chris Evans. I know they're not sexy picks. They're not sexy names. They're not names that are going to get you out of your seat. But if James Robinson goes down and they're so heavily run dependent, who who else is going to run the ball there? It's not going to be Dara Ogumbawale. I know, I know that for sure. It's going to be Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is going to get the work. Um, so I'd be gambling at this stage. I'd be gambling at, at, at situations where if the lead back gets injured, getting that serious um, play. This week, Dionis De- Johnson you know, it looks like Chubb's not going to go. We already know Hunt's not going to go. Who's going to be the lead back in 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 Cleveland this week? It's going to be Deion Johnson. He's going to be the, the lead back. Felton. Yeah, I, I looked at his usage and I just don't. I mean, they could they could go fifty fifty. They really could. It, it could be a gamble. Maybe you pick up both. But for me, I I, I look at Deion Johnson. Look at his running style. I think he's a better fit for a bulk load than I think Felton is an explosive guy. I think he's someone that you'd have. Maybe in the sort of the he's like the Kareem Hunt, whereas I'd say yeah. Dionis Johnson well, is more the, than Nick. He's, a, he's more of a catching back, I think. Felton has got that potential there, yeah. and if they like to do that, so they um, could play both. They could both could be primed for a relevant role. So yeah, that's for sure. Uh, and I'm guessing they've got a wide receiver on the Browns as well that could be a standout. He did very well this week as well. Um, Donovan Peoples Jones. Yeah, I mean Donovan Peoples Jones is. Um, listen, his stat line inflates his value. He caught a Hail Mary pass. He caught four passes. One was, and most of them are, are from that Hail Mary pass. I think a lot of people, as I said in the Dynasty show, it's a, it's a Dynasty ad all day long. As a season long with a banged up Baker Mayfield, who's already hurt and already a run first offense. And OBJ is still fit. And then we've got Jarvis Landry coming back. It could be a flash in the plan for the week, but he's not someone long term for this season. I, okay. I want to. I think he's someone. I look at him as more of a risk and a, a roster clog than than anything else. I, I look at more players like 
Ray Ray McLeod. Um, not just because I like the name Ray Ray McLeod. Um, <laughs> you know, he had I think eight target. I think he had eight or nine targets on 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 Sunday Night Football. Like he he got heavily. And listen, you look at his stat line: six for sixty odd. It wasn't overly exciting. Um, but if something goes wrong with Claypool or with Deontay Johnson, which has happened, they will miss time. Raymond McLeod's going to be in for a huge role. Um, no, I think we saw the usage on Sunday Night Football where they kind of played their hand there that Ray Ray McLeod is going to get more carry <clears> and more, <throat> more targets than, than James Washington. So he's someone I, I find interesting given the brittleness of the the Steelers right now. And it seems to be every time someone uh, gets contact, they go down. That's not trying to be derogatory, but it's just the way it seems to feel every time I watch them. So that's uh, that's one I would... I, I would be keeping an eye on um, Tyrod. And Andy Miller, do you think? Sorry, just while we're on the Steelers, they picked him up, losing Juju. Uh, sorry, who? Anthony Miller. Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't understand why he hasn't broken out yet. That's. I I think if you've been dropped by the Texans, that's a red flag for me because they haven't got any talent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like him. I like him as a player, but that is a concern for me. That's one thing I'd be slightly worried about. So he's been dropped by the Bears and the Texans. I mean, the Bears I get because I know Mooney's better, but the Texans I don't get because who's the number two wide receiver there? I don't think I get Chris Conley. Nico Collins. Nico Collins. I mean, he was on IR before they dropped him. So, yeah, I guess I don't know. Like, it's, it's questionable for me. So, I'm a Russell Brown. And Amy Miller is not the answer, then, is what we've decided. No. <laughs> no matter what the question Brown. is. Anthony Miller's not no. your answer. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think he's your answer. I'd, I'd be moving away. Uh, I'm on Ronald Brown, someone I'd be remotely interested in, but I don't want to buy too much of that Detroit offense. But he seems to be the one that's separating from the pack now and getting the, the majority of the work. So he's another one I would stash. Fair. And obviously you have got your waiver wire show that is out. So go and give that a listen. And uh, I'm sure there's some other names there that, that have come up as well. So um, I believe you've got something new to tell us about Murph. Uh, a new contest, yeah. is that right? So, yeah, luckily we got the guys over at Fan Team. Um, now, if you haven't heard our DFS show, first of all, where have you been? And two, um, you know, you definitely check it out. But the guys there haven't been doing DraftKings. They've been doing Fan Team. Fan Team is the largest uh, daily fantasy uh, league in Europe. And we kindly have partnered up with them. And what they're going to do for us is incredibly special. Now, every single week, starting from this week, and it doesn't launch officially till Thursday because that's when they've launched the plans, but we're going to tease this now. Um, they're going to give us a special contest that's going to be used purely for five-yard listeners and five-yard followers. And it's completely free to enter. No money, no nothing, nothing required. You just need a password from us to enter and you will enter our exclusive contest for free. So you only be playing against other five-yard followers, other five-yard listeners, and there is cash prizes. So there is going to be money every single week for the winners. And if you've never played daily fancy sports before, um, that's okay. Cause Nick and uh, Mark are going to take you through their top picks and the top ways to play this game. So we're actually going to spend on, they're going to move the show to Thursdays to coincide with the new list of players coming out. And actually they're going to talk you through some strategy of how to play the game. So you can get into this completely for free. And I mean, it's completely free. This isn't a, we're going to do this for one week and then all of a sudden it's going to ask for money. It is simply a completely free game. There's no, all you need to do is sign up. That's all you need to do. So every single week you'll have the opportunity to play in our exclusive contest to win money for free. No gimmicks, no 
deposit X amount to play. It's none of that. You can set up your account for free. You will play for free. You do not have to deposit one penny to play. Um, and I absolutely mean that. But if you do then want to play, they will have other games available. But our contest will be completely free and will remain completely free and deposit free. Fantastic. So tune so, in Thursday for that show. But, but we'll give more details on Twitter through the week as well. But yeah, completely free contest opportunity to win money and just play with some great people every single week. Fine. So you mentioned Thursday's DFS show is upcoming. What else has the Five Yard Nation got to listen to this week? What's coming up? We have the Dynasty show on Tuesday. Um, we have the game show on Wednesday. I did lose to CDK last week. You um, did. And he, and, and he had... Uh, He's already messaged me telling me. So don't worry. <laughs> no. So uh, I have to get back to winning ways on, on Wednesday. Uh, DFS show. Uh, we have the IDP show on Thursday as well. Um, so lots going on across the network. Lots of shows to keep you entertained. The college guys will also be on in 15 minutes time. So stay on the channel and uh, give them a watch. Super. So is there anything else you want to just run through and cross off before we call this a day, Murph? No, it'd just be good to have you here. Um, the show has run much more smoothly with you here. So um, you get a break from talking every now and then, right? So. Uh, well, I think we actually got to all the points in under an hour, which is something that never happened. So you've kept the train well and truly on track. So I appreciate you. You've done a, that is a sterling what you've asked job. me to do. Yeah, so I yeah, again, I, yeah, exactly. So again, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity. I'd like to thank I say the five out family again for welcoming me in and, and everybody that's messaged me wishing me the best of luck i thoroughly enjoyed myself uh, and hopefully we'll be back next week god willing and mirth allowing i guess uh, <laughs> we shall no, you'll, see. Be, you'll be back I'm, well the only way you're not coming back is if you don't want to <laughs> <laughs> fine we'll, we'll have that discussion off air but again don't forget to check out all of the five yard pods mirth run through what we've got coming up in the week uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other good podcast apps, as well as YouTube. Uh, and don't forget on socials, at 5 Yard Rush, and interact with us, guys. Uh, and we're looking forward to this new Thursday fan team competition coming up. That yeah, is about just on that as well. So it's the Red Zone contest. So it actually goes on Sundays. It's for all the games that are on NFL Red Zone. So it doesn't include... Sunday night football and Monday night football. It's just the, the games. Are, so you can watch uh, Red Zone and have a daily fantasy contest uh, for free uh, playing Red Zone. What have you got to lose? Literally nothing. Time. You'd be watching Red Zone anyway, so you haven't lost the time. <laughs> no. And you'd be listening to the show already, so you haven't lost that either. So <laughs> no. there is literally nothing to lose. Yeah, um, absolutely right. I think we're going to call it a day there, are we, Murph? Are you all happy? Yeah, uh, it's been a good show. Enjoyed it. Uh, keep interacting. I've enjoyed it. Drop, uh, drop down some messages of support as well because he hasn't had enough. Cheers, guys. Cheers. So thanks very much, and we will be back next week. That's it. And until then, don't forget, as always, keep rushing. to sexual health just as much as physical and mental health we want to make it easier for folks to find resources however they engage with us there's no wrong door so it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming talking about what their sex life is about their concerns and to make sure they're healthy do it for them 
Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.